Father, thank you for the time of worship that we've had. God, as we've been able to sing praises to you, God, I pray that you've been glorified through that. Lord, but this too, as we begin to look at your word and you begin to speak through us to us through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, this is an act of worship as well. God, by our obedience to you and our listening to your words, God, and our going and telling somebody else what you have said, God, that's all in obedience to you, and God, that is our act of worship. So God, I pray, Lord, that we worship you in spirit and in truth right now. As you begin to pour truth into us through your word, God, I pray that we would be attentive to it. God, we'd listen closely to what you have to say to us, God, and that it would change our lives forever. Father, thank you so much for this series on prayer that we've been in, God, and how it has transformed people. God, it has changed their, their perceptions on so many things, God, and that can only happen through your word, and Lord, I am just so thankful for it. God, I pray, uh, God, that you're glorified now as we look at your word and as you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we have been in a series on prayer, and we've been talking about how we're supposed to pray. We've talked about who we're praying to. I kind of gave you a little refresher last week on the glory of God. We looked at Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, and just the picture of God in heaven, who he is, and what it looks like, uh, the Lamb of God that is there to take the deed to the earth. And we talked about how amazing that is. And hopefully, as you've been praying this week, that has been on your mind. That the God of the Bible that is described in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, that is the God that has been on your mind as you've been praying this week. Uh, I, you know, sometimes I think we kind of dumb things down, if you will. We kind of uh, make God a little bit lower uh, in, in his position sometimes. And I think when we speak to God through prayer, we need to elevate him to the highest level that he deserves and, and he is honored through our prayers. When we talked about the Lord's Prayer two weeks ago, uh, one of the things we talked about was you know, how Jesus said, pray in this way. He didn't say pray this prayer, he said pray in this way. And we're going to continue talking about that a little bit today as we look at kind of the way Luke Kind of, kind of brought what he said in the Lord's Prayer into something else that he said about prayer. And it, it's really good that we're going to look at that today. Uh, but one of the first things that Jesus says is the fact that we need to recognize God in his highest place. The fact that he is holy. The fact that he is completely unique. And I think sometimes that we kind of say monotonous, routine prayers without thinking about who God is and his majesty and his wonder. And sometimes... I think we get in this routine of prayer, and we're not really praying to the God of the Bible. We're just saying some words. And, and we, we've been there, right? We've all done that. We've all just said some words without really thinking about what we're saying. And I hope that through this series on prayer, that's kind of changed your mindset a little bit. When you, when you pray now, maybe, just maybe, you're actually praying with a little bit different attitude, a little bit different mindset. Because we can get into routines and saying prayers that are just words, and we're not really thinking about their meaning, meaning, right? I've got a funny video for you again by Tim Hawkins. Yeah, you can go ahead and chuckle now. It's okay. Uh, I, I like funny videos by Tim Hawkins. Oh, look, we're already into it. Uh, <laughs> I like funny videos by Tim Hawkins, but in particular, the ones he talks about prayer, they really kind of they, 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 they are funny to me because I've been there, I've done that, and, and like, it just kind of cracks me up, some of the stuff that we say without really thinking about it. And he just kind of points out some of the, the silly things that we say um, in prayer. And this is another one of those instances. So I'll, I'll let him go ahead and roll the video. 
you can laugh in church. I promise you it's okay. They can show funny, goofy videos too. But really, it just kind of points out some of the ridiculousness of some of the stuff we pray, right? I mean, we're not really praying to God. We're not really talking to God about what's on our heart. It's not the overflow of our heart. We're just saying some words that we've heard before, saying some things that we've, you know, we've heard other people pray, right? So we just pray them because we think that's what we're supposed to do. And I don't think that that gives God the right level of prominence in our life when we do that. When you just say some words, I mean, like, you think about the words, I love you. When you say those words to somebody, you can either say them, I love you, or you can say them with meaning. You can say, I love you. Right? They're the same words, but they have completely different meanings. They have completely different meaning because you're, you're putting prominence in what you're saying. You, it's the overflow of your heart. It's not just words that are coming out of your mouth, man. It's, it's, it's actually what's in your heart. And I, I think, I think we've, we've lost that sometimes in prayer. Man, I've heard, I've heard deacons and pastors and, and just numerous people that just pray. And man, it sounds really good. And they use all kinds of lofty words. And they use all kinds of biblical terms. And, and you're like, man, that is awesome. Listen to that. Well, Jesus would say to that, he'd say, you don't need to pray that way. He'd say, you don't need to go on and on like some of these the Pharisees do that just keep Keep dragging it on just so people can admire you and admire your prayer. He would say, I want you to pray from your heart. I want you to put God in his place of prominence and, and cry out to him and tell him that you want his kingdom to come and, and you want his way to rule on earth as it does in heaven. And the way you want his kingdom to come is to come in the hearts of believers. You, you want his kingdom to come in, into people's lives and change their lives forever. And the most important thing that, that, that happens is, is for that to happen. And God, I want you to, 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 to let me forgive other people so that they can see my forgiveness and say that that is a follower of Jesus. I mean, Jesus says this is the way we're supposed to pray. The, the most important thing is God's kingdom and God himself. And, and we don't pray like that, though. I hope that this series changes your perspective on prayer. And we're going to look at what Luke says here. In Luke's, Luke's gospel, we, we see beginning in chapter 11. Luke kind of summarizes the Lord's prayer for us a little bit. And then he goes into something a little deeper that I want us to, to look at this morning. In Luke chapter 11, we see this. So once Jesus was in a certain place praying, I guess that's southern vernacular. He wasn't praying, he was praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. Now he's talking about John the Baptist. And he's saying, Lord, I want you to teach me to pray. Show us the way we're supposed to pray. And we see a little excerpt, uh, Luke's kind of summary, if you will, of the Lord's Prayer. He says, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation. Now, obviously, Luke's 
summarization is, is a little shorter than, than we saw in Matthew the other day, two weeks ago. But we see basically the same idea, the same concept. Luke, Luke points out the same important things that, that Matthew pointed out in what we call the Lord's Prayer. That a lot of people just say in repetition and not really thinking about what it means. And we took it apart. We dissected it, right? And we showed what, what is the Lord's Prayer really saying? When Jesus says, pray like this, what is he talking about? And if you missed that, you can go back and listen to the podcast. We put our podcast out just as soon as we can each week. And if you missed that, you can go listen to that. But we want to look at what Luke continues to say that Jesus taught them about prayer. In verse 5 it says, then... Teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just come, uh, has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for the friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and uh, give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Okay, this very interesting analogy that, that Jesus is drawing out here, and we need to look at this. And he says, and so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Oh, boy. Here we go. Everybody's like, oh, I got to keep on asking for that Mercedes i got to keep on asking for the half-million-dollar house. I need to keep on asking that God will fill up my bank account. i got to keep on asking that, that I'll just have an abundance. i got to keep asking for that private island in the Caribbean. i just got to keep asking, right? Because God wants you to have your best life now. I'll tell you what John MacArthur says about that, by the way. Can I tell you what, what he says about that? He says, your best life now, everybody's probably heard of that book, it's, it's, it's by a guy named Joe, I'll just call him that, uh, your best life now, you know what John MacArthur says about that? He said, you know, if this, on this earth, is your best life now, then that means you're doomed for hell. Your best life is not now, if you're a true follower of Jesus, your best life is in eternity with God. It is not here on this earth. And it is not about your bank account or your house or your private island or your jet. It is not about any of that. Your best life is to come. And you keep your eyes fixed on that glory. That is your best life. People get that all mixed up. Here, here he says, you just keep on asking for it. And everybody's like, oh, good. I can just ask for whatever I want. Well, let's look at what Jesus says we're supposed to ask for. He uses this analogy that we're supposed to, he, he, he goes, like hospitality was a big, time, big deal back in Jesus' time. Like if somebody came over, you were like really obligated to take care of a guest. It was a really big deal. Like if somebody was traveling through and they needed a place to stay, you had to welcome them into your home. It was almost like so culturally important that you just had to. And you had to feed them and give them something to eat and drink and take care of them in the best way possible. I mean, like, it was a really big deal in Jesus' time. Not so much now, right? You're like, well, there's comfort in, there's courtyard, you know, man, like, take care of yourself, you know. Me and my family only got so much room. <laughs> I like you, but I don't know if I want you to live in this house, you know. I mean, like, you know, it, 
But in Jesus' day, it was really, really important for you to take care of a guest. And, and here he's using this analogy. And he's talking about these two guys that are friends. And one, one guy, he goes, he comes late at night and he says, he says hey, man, uh, can you help me out? I need some food. And he says, loaves of bread. This would have been like a biscuit, basically. He's like, I just need three biscuits and I'll be out of your hair. I got somebody at my house. I got nothing to eat for them. Can you help me out? Give me three biscuits. And the guy's like, oh, but man, I've already, I already got my PJs on, dude. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm laying down. I, 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 I've, I've taken my nighttime meds, you know. <laughs> I'm sleepy already. The whole, the whole house is locked up, and you want me to let you in to, to, to get you some food, some biscuits? And the guy's like, don't you, don't you understand that this is really going to inconvenience me? He's like, but for the sake of our friendship, man. He's like, well, eventually, if he's a really good friend of yours, he'll, he'll let you in and he'll, he'll give you what you need. If you keep on asking because of your persistence. And here, Jesus is kind of drawing out this analogy with us in prayer and this guy going and knocking and, and, and trying to ask his friend for help. Right? So let's look at what Jesus says as we continue on. In verse 9, it says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. He's talking about persistence. And he says, "Your father, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, father, your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So what is Jesus talking about here? What is Jesus talking about? Do you remember what I said? Well, let me, let me, let me just not go there yet. So he starts, he starts showing this analogy. He started with the friendship analogy. Now he's like father-child analogy. Right, Because he's trying to show, okay, on one level, a friendship level is one thing, but a father-child relationship is something else. That's on a whole other level, right? And we know that our father in, is in heaven, and we are his children, and we know he cares for us deeply. He's trying to show us here like a father cares for his child. There is something special about a parent-child relationship, right? It's one thing to be friends, but a parent-child relationship is different. We talked about this on Wednesday night, as a matter of fact. Uh, we, we talked about how God is there in a special way for his children. He is there and cares for them and loves them in a special way. And you can go and listen to that podcast as well. Man, if you're missing Wednesday nights, I'm sorry. It, it's, it's just been amazing as we look at Isaiah chapter 43, uh, what God was showing us about his love for his children. There's something special about a father's love for his child. You know, God is everywhere, right? Like, God is omnipresent. There's a big churchy word for you, right? So he's everywhere, and we know that. But in Isaiah 43, we read how God is there especially close to his children, that there is a special connection there. There is a special kind of love. There is a special deep, passionate love for his children that is there in a personal way. I'll, I'll give you a for instance. So... Uh, my dad is here. Uh, this is a story from when I was a kid, about five years old. When you are there with your kids at the playground, 
There's a difference between just being there for them and being right there for them, right? So if your kid is playing on the monkey bars, for example, it's one thing to be in the playground watching your kid on the monkey bars. It's another thing to be right there doing what, what I call the, the protection hole thing, you know, where they're climbing across the monkey bars and you're just like, okay, you got to keep going, keep going. They're building their arm strength. You know, they're weak and they're little kids. So they, you got to keep going and they want to make it so bad. You're just like, come on, man, come on. You know, like you're pulling for them just like they're wanting to do it and, you know, you're there for them, right? So the big difference between being right there for them and just being and watching them and making sure they're okay on the playground, right? Well, my analogy is this, is that, uh, I, knew, I figured out the difference when I was about five years old because I was on the playground and my dad was there and I don't know if it was a Saturday afternoon or what and uh, I was climbing the monkey bars and I was pretty decent at the monkey bars and I thought I had it, you know what I mean? Like you get kind of cocky after a while and think, I got this, you know, everything's good. Well, apparently I didn't have it and my hands slipped off the monkey bars and I remember, I mean like it was yesterday, I went down in a cloud of dust, boom, like that on my face. And I remember the dust going up around me like this. And I remember I just had snot and everything, drool just rolling down my face where I had landed face first in the dust. So the next time I got on the monkey bars, I was like, hey, Dad, can you come over here? I'm about to get on the monkey bars again. Uh, apparently, I don't have it quite like I thought I did. But this is the way it is with our father. You know what I think God wants from us? You know what I think that when we pray... You know what I think that his desire for us is to go, hey, God, can you come over here and can you watch me as I'm going through this because it's going to be difficult and I may not have this like I thought I did and I'm going to need you to be right there and real close to me in case I slip and I fall. Can you imagine if you prayed like that, man? Like, like God, I, 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 I'm going through something and it's going to be difficult and, and there are times when I think that I've gotten this figured out and I know what I'm doing, but, but God, I just need, I depend on you to be right there and catch me in case something happens. Your dependence on God. Can you, can, can you hear like, like the difference? Can you hear the way, the intimacy God desires with us, the, the way that God wants us to rely on him, the way that God wants us to be so intimately connected with him that we can call on him and say, God, every step that I take, hand over hand over hand over hand, I need you to be with me so that you make sure that I don't slip and I don't fall. Because I know that it's hard. I believe God wants us to be dependent on him. I believe that God wants to hear that from us. I believe that, that, that I, our prayers here in, in the United States are way different than the prayers of the people in Haiti. When they don't know if they're going to have to go out to the dump heap, to the garbage heap to get their next, next meal, I promise you their prayers are way different than ours. They're like, God, just be there with us. We trust you and we just want you to be there with us. I believe God wants us to be like that. I believe God wants us to pray like that. I believe God wants us to depend on him like that. Okay, here's where it gets tough, all right? Here's where it gets hard and we don't like to hear it. Is it possible then? Is it possible? Let me ask you this question as you think about it. Is it possible that God could allow some things to come into your life so that you depend on him like that? 
Because God don't have to be right there standing beside you on the monkey bars. He's everywhere all the time and all powerful. He don't have to be right there. Is it possible that he allows us to sometimes miss the next rung, to sometimes slip a little bit, some, some things to come against us, some things to come into our lives so that what will happen as a result of that? We have an extreme dependence on God. We have this deep, deep need for God to be very real and very present in our life because cancer has come in, death has come in. There's difficulties in the relationships around us. Our child has gone off and wants nothing to do with us. Is it possible that that stuff happens and then God says, I'm trying to show you to depend on me. I'm trying to, to let things happen in such a way that, that every single step that you take, you will have dependence on me and not dependence on yourself. Is it possible that that could be the case? He says, a dad, if, if he loves this kid, he's not going to ask him for a fish and give him a snake instead. He, he's, he's not going to ask him for an egg and give him a scorpion. And the scorpions in that time, they kind of would ball up and they would kind of look like an egg. That's the reason the analogy is like that. He says, how much more does your father care about your needs and the things that you ask for? What did I tell you when we, we read the Lord's Prayer and we talked about the Lord's Prayer? What was the most important thing that a person needs that Jesus knew that they needed? It was one word and it's called forgiveness, right? We talked about how how we're supposed to forgive others so that they can see Jesus in us. And maybe they'll come to faith in Christ and maybe his kingdom will come into their life so they can experience the same forgiveness that we experienced. So God gives us forgiveness. He gives us a way. But he gives us more than that. He gives us way more than just forgiveness. You know what he gives us? You know what he gives us? He gives us what we need on top of just forgiveness. He gives us the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in the last, last verse. It says it gives us the Holy Spirit. We, we, we think that we need this or we need that. Or we, you know what you need? You need forgiveness and you need the Holy Spirit. Now, why do you need the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit seals us and reminds us of uh, the fact that God's going to set everything right one day and there'll be a place where you can spend eternity with God. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He gives you peace and he gives you comfort like nothing else can. See, see, God knows what you need. You need forgiveness and you need the Holy Spirit and he gives you those things. See, we, if, if he just gave us forgiveness, that would be great and that would be wonderful because that's what we need in order to spend eternity with us, with him, Right? That, that would be phenomenal if he just offered forgiveness. He offers grace. But he says, I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to give one step further. I, I'm going to give you comfort now. I'm going to give you a reminder now. I'm going to give you a peace giver now. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit who's going to remind you of an eternal peace and an eternal happiness that will come one day when you step from this life into the next. Can you even wrap your mind around that? That God, he could have just said grace. 
and we could spend eternity with him. But he says, you know what, on top of that, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit too. And he's going to be a comforter, and he's going to remind you of eternity. That's a good father. That's a good father. I can't help, and I don't know why God kept bringing this to my mind, but I, I can't help but to think about there's, you know, when God, we talk about what God gives us what we need and we don't really recognize it. You know, there's one thing that he gives us. It's a way out sometimes. And we're caught in the middle of a, of a sinful, maybe a devastating situation. God brings this scripture to my mind all the time. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me put it up on the screen for you. This is something that I, I think that we overlook sometimes. Look at, look at what God gives us. He says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others have ex others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, what I want to point out to you, everybody wants to hang on to this idea, well, God will not tempt me beyond what I can stand. Everybody wants to hang on to that. What I want to show you is the last verse, and he says, you will be given a way out. God will show you that there is a way out of this, the situation that you're in right now. And we're talking about temptations, and we're talking about sinful situations, and that God will give you a way out. Now, this... This don't mean he's going to bail you out. This means he's going to give you a way out. So that means that you've got to do something, right? He, he, he didn't just take you out of a situation. He gave you a way out of a situation. There's sometimes when you find yourself over and over again in a place you didn't think that you could ever get here. There's no way that I, I ever would have imagined that I could be in this situation and in this place God, Father, as I depend on you for every step in my life, as I cry out to you, I ask you to give me a way out. I ask that you not lead me into temptation, that you offer me a way out of temptation. He says, God, Paul says, God is faithful and he will give you a way out. I'm not so sure why God kept putting this on my mind over and over again, but I think that there's, there's some people in this room that probably need to hear the fact that God can provide a way out. He's not going to drag you out of the situation and make you do something, but he will make a way. And if you take steps of obedience and you follow him, then you can get out of that situation if you are willing to and if God has a place of prominence in your life. And you're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to get out of that situation so that you can glorify him with your life, God will give you a way out. Now, that, listen to me. Listen to me. That don't mean there ain't no consequences as a result of it. There may be, very well be consequences as a result of, of the sin or the temptation that you endured, but God can give you a way out. He wants us to be dependent on him. Your sinful condition, whatever sin may be trying to rule and reign in your life, God wants you to depend on him 
in that situation. You say, God, give me a way out. Give me a way out. You know what's bad is God offers a way out. He offers the comforter. He offers grace. And people refuse these things over and over and over again. They, they continue to say no, 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 no to Jesus Christ. I believe mostly it's because of either pride or fear or both. And that's why you see people, they'll, they'll be sitting in their, their seats and they'll be shaken from conviction of the Holy Spirit when God's calling them to a relationship with him. But their pride or their fear won't let them, won't let them come to Jesus and say, God, I need you. I want, I want to commit myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. Their pride and their fear just keeps them in their seat and they keep quiet. And it's, it's so sad. It's so incredibly sad. And, and I, I think that, that God wants such a deep connection with us and he wants us to depend on him for everything. He, he shows us this in Revelation chapter 3. We, we read Revelation chapter 4 and 5 last week. I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 3 today. And it's about one particular church. It's the church of Laodicea. Now let me tell you about Laodicea. Laodicea was a nice place. They had it going on. It was, it was really nice, really comfortable. They had, they had hot water that would flow in. They had, uh, the, the, excuse me, they had cold water that would flow in from the mountains and hot water that would come up from the ground. And, and like, so they knew hot and cold. They, they were like, man, we got it going on. We got these ni- nice bathhouses and stuff. We take hot showers and it's a great place. And we got uh, all these very nice buildings and it's just a very elaborate place, right? Well, there's a church there and, and, and and through John, God's talking to this church at Laodicea. And, and he's talking to them about something they got going on that's wrong. Something that's wrong in their life. And I think it's because they were too comfortable. I think it's because they had such extravagance around them, they had no dependence on God. They had very little dependence on God. And this is the struggle in the country that we live in. Because we have it so nice, nice air-conditioned buildings to meet in, all this kind of stuff, that's the reason very rarely are people so super dependent on God for every step that they take. It's because everything's, we got everything made for us. It's all good, you know? We don't have anything to worry about. We got gas in our car. We're going to go eat lunch in a little bit. We're not worried about much. We don't need to depend on God for much. We got it all figured out. We got it all worked out. And God speaks to this church and says, you think you got it all figured out, but you don't. You're mistaken about everything. This is the problem most people are dealing with in this country. They think that they've got it all figured out, and they have no clue. They have no clue. Listen to what it says. This is a letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is a message from the one who is the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are le- lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. And then you will be rich. 
Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. I hear you, I hear my, you hear my voice and open the door. I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. He says, you think you got it all worked out. You think you know. You think you're rich. You think you got nice clothes. He said, you don't understand. You're blind. You're poor. You're wretched. You're naked. You don't understand because you can't see. He says, I'm offering you to be able to see like I see. I'm offering you salve for your eyes so that you can see just the true nature. How much you really need me. But you're lukewarm. You're turned off. To me. You, you're turned off to your need for me. You're just like, eh. So what? Indifference. Indifference to God. And when God, when Jesus talks about how you're supposed to pray to your Father in heaven, you know what he says? Depend on me. Depend on me. For every single breath that you take, every single food, piece of food that you put in your mouth, you depend on me. He says, because you being indifferent to me makes me sick and makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. What about you? What about your prayer life? What about your relationship with Jesus? Is it deep? Is it connected? Is it a true dependence on God? Or are you kind of indifferent? Because you think, I got it all worked out, man. My life's really good. Yeah, some people are mistaken and they think that because they're, they they got some money that they think that that's the blessing of God and so they must have a really good relationship with God and that's the reason God has blessed them. Well, that's the same kind of junk lie that that guy named Joe was teaching to. The reality is, he says right there, you can be rich financially and still be blind, poor, naked. That's what God says. He says, I can give you gold refined by fire. Refined by fire. Refined by God's fire. Real gold, pure gold, the things that matter. Eternity. Store up treasure in heaven. Not treasure here. Who gives a rip about here? This is going away. You realize that, that this, this place is going to be burned up and consumed, but there will be one that will stand, and that will, be, that will be God Almighty on his throne. And that's the one you're going to stand in front of, and that's what's going to matter. Not this junk, so stop praying for this junk and start praying for the things that matter, for his kingdom to come, for souls to be saved. Stop being indifferent. Stop being indifferent to God. Start being truly dependent on God and the things that matter. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. God, I'm so sorry for the things that I've prayed for in times past that were so meaningless. And I pray that I would be a person who prays for things that matter. God, and that is souls, people to come into your kingdom. God, for your word to go out for the good news and the truth of your word to penetrate people's lives. 
God, for people that are suffering and hurting, God, I pray that they would be able to depend on you. These are the things that matter. God, these are the things that really matter. And there's been times when you brought devastation into my life, and I am thankful for that so that I could really see what mattered. Thank you for the healthy dose of perspective that you poured into my life, God, by bringing devastation to my doorstep and helping me realize that what I needed more than anything else is I needed you. And God, you didn't just give me you. God, you gave me your grace and your Holy Spirit. God, you poured out on me so lavishly beyond what I could have comprehended that I needed. God, I'm, thank I'm thankful for that. Thank you for showing me that I need to depend on you. All the things that I think I need, God, they're all going to be consumed by fire one day. What I really need ultimately is a deeper relationship with you through your Holy Spirit. God, so that I might be able to proclaim your good news and more people might be able to know you. That's what matters. Thank you for your majesty being the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, you rule and you reign in this place. And God, I know that you'll speak to the hearts that you need to speak to in the way that you need to speak to them. So Lord, we trust in you. We depend on you. God, convict the hearts that you need to convict. God, draw the hearts to you that maybe they're hurting. God, draw the people out that God, they're dealing with pride and they're dealing with fear and they're afraid of coming to you. God, I pray that you would convict them. Lord, so they might know you. On having a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. God, I pray for that. I pray that your kingdom would come. God, however you need to speak to people, I pray that we'd be obedient to you. In the holy name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Would everyone please stand?